I know, I know. It was a very well-received episode. Thank you for joining me. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here, Brian Sussman Show. I'm talking about episode 186 entitled Culture Wars, America's Slippery Slope. That was the last episode I recorded a couple days ago. I took a couple days off. I was doing some traveling, wasn't able to make it into a studio. But now here I am back again with episode 187, which, as it turns out, will be a continuation of the last episode in that I've received so much input from so many sources regarding where I was going with that last podcast. Uh, I was just detailing the slippery slope we're on that goes back to the decision to take prayer out of the public schools. And we've been going downhill ever since to the point now we live in a day of delusion where people think up is down and left is right and good is evil and evil is good. It's crazy. So this is a continuation And I'm going to be giving you a lot of statistics and hard information that I know you're going to want to share. So let's dive in here. By the way, more on me at briansussman.com. My Facebook page is Brian Sussman Show. And then Daily Doses of Inspiration on Instagram at Brian Sussman Show. There's a historian named Arnold Toynbee. Arnold Toynbee, he died in 1975. He was born in 1889. So this is, this is an old school man, but he wrote a classic analysis on the rise and falls of civilizations, the rise and fall of civilizations, 12 volume work. I mean, immense, simply called a study of history. He examined 21 great civilizations. Now, all of these 21, there's only one that survives intact to the present. That's the United States of America. So he, he went through history. We are a great nation. We are, in many ways, the most influential nation in the history of the world. So out of the 21, we're the only one left. And by the way, as I mentioned in the last podcast, and I've mentioned so many times recently, and I'm mentioning this in my upcoming book as well, I'm going to devote a lot of time to this, which does not have a title yet and does not have a publisher. I'm still in the process of putting together the book proposal. But all that said, America is unique. All the nations of the world, we were the only nation founded on the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's called natural law. And we were also the only nation in history where these are inalienable rights, rights given from God. Now, you could say Israel was the first. Yeah, true. But Israel always had a king. We've never had a king. We are a true representative republic, in theory. Uh, it's been tarnished quite a bit. Uh, and, and by the way, the tarnishment began when Congress decided to allow senators to be elected by the people as opposed to by the legislatures. So now you've got institutional senators who have been around forever and will never be voted out of office, career politicians, that's not what was intended for the role of Senate. But I digress, as I often do. If you were to poll Americans about whether they could envision the fall of the United States of America, they would probably react with a resounding, nope, not going to happen. Even patriots of good conscience will say, no, it's not going to happen. No one wants to see their nation fall. My gosh, 
for those of us who have read our history, when that happens, it's panic, it's chaos, it's tragedy, it's calamity. Who would, who would want to acknowledge that? It's no surprise. And by the way, it's no surprise in light of history because citizens of some of the great empires of the past didn't see it coming either. You know, we've been around now as a nation for about two and a half centuries. Yet one of the longest lasting civilizations of the past, of those 21 that I mentioned, ancient Rome. Ancient Rome lasted for 12 centuries. And when they fell, they fell big time. This was standing first as a monarchy. Then they transitioned to a republic and then an empire. And in the waning days of the Western Roman Empire, which, by the way, came to an end in 476 AD, how did they feel about their status? There's one author, his name is Brian Ward Perkins. He wrote this. Romans before the fall were as certain as we are today that their world would continue forever, substantially unchanged. He wrote that in 2006 in his book, The Fall of Rome. So even before the actual fall of the empire, the city of Rome was greatly humiliated a number of times, the year 410. So this would be 66 years before they finally fell. You had Germanic peoples plundering Rome. And, and that was the beginning of the end, the beginning of the end. But let me ask you this question. Can we see parallels between America and ancient Rome that portend the collapse of our situation, our civilization? Uh, let's go ahead and look at a few. Massive spending by the federal government. This is what happened in Rome. Military expenditure was by far the largest item in their imperial budget. Now, they didn't have the luxury that we do. We borrow our money. To, to, for money we don't have, we borrow. Rome couldn't do that. They couldn't borrow. But, you know, when it comes to borrowing, at some point in time, you got to pay the piper. I just want to talk to you a little bit about the federal budget. Because when you look at the federal spending, officially right now, officially, this year, this year we've spent $6 trillion. Our federal government has spent $6 trillion this year. That's the federal budget. $6 billion, $6 trillion of our federal budget. The U.S. national debt right now is 30, almost $32 trillion. $32 trillion. I could give you some other figures, but I don't want your eyes to gloss over. Like, well, I could talk about U.S. federal debt to the gross domestic product ratio. In, in the year 2000, it was 58%. Now it's 120%. Those are not good numbers. Let's talk about the U.S. debt held by foreign countries. So we've got this massive national debt of $32 trillion. Here's one for you. How much of that debt is held by foreign countries? Well, $7 trillion. You know, at some point in time, those countries want their money back. And how does a creditor 
get his money back from the debtor. You can use your imagination, but there are players out there who they're not going to, they're just not going to piddle this away. They're going to want something in return. And if they don't get what they want, they could resort to some underhanded tricks, chicanery, crimes, wars, etc. When you look at the top largest budget items in the United States, the first is Medicare, then Social Security, then defense, then the interest on the national debt. The interest we're paying on the national debt is the fourth largest item in our budget. Now, as a family, if you were, if your large, your fourth largest item in your family budget was just paying off interest on your credit cards, or we could even say your mortgage, that's not good. So we're, we're in a pickle here. And there's no solution. As I mentioned in the last podcast, these politicians in Washington, D.C. are just both sides of the aisle. A lot of talk, no action, no action whatsoever. But let's continue this. So massive spending, uh, this massive financial burden helped the Roman Empire to collapse. But beyond that, there was something else. And that was a sexual revolution. Now, for the first Many hundreds of years of the Roman Empire, there was no divorce, none that's recorded. There was a husband and a wife. Wives were encouraged and, uh, gosh, encouraged. Wives were virgins when they were married. That was something that was highly valued. So husband, wife, raising children, the family unit was intact And that was something that the Romans prided themselves upon. Now, during that same time, there was, outside of family units, there was a lot of wild sex going on. In fact, there were temples dedicated to sex, but that really didn't start to ramp up until just about the time that Jesus was born. It's rather interesting when you get to the reign of Augustus, 27 BC to AD 14, during that particular time, that's what this is towards the end of the, of the, uh, of the Roman Empire. At that particular time, everything went wild in terms of sexuality. That's when you started seeing the breakdown of the family unit. That's when you started seeing wild temple sex. That's when you started seeing large numbers of native stock Romans avoiding wedlock altogether. That's when you started seeing lots of prostitution, concubines, uh, successions of wives. That's when you started seeing homosexuality. That's when you started seeing uh, transsexuality, so to speak. That's when you started to see families limiting their number by way of abortion. I'm not making this up. Infanticide. And... For the first time, at least in recorded history in the Roman Empire, they were using different types of contraception. So it all started to fall during the reign of Augustus, just before Jesus was born, and then shortly after he died. It all started crumbling. The other part of the Roman Empire equation was that while all of this moral depravity was going on and the family unit was being destructed, 
That's when there was this huge outpouring of God's Spirit, and suddenly pagans in the Roman Empire became Christians. And there was a culture war that began. You know, it's really interesting because there was an epidemic of divorces, and it was described as a disease at that particular time during the reign of Augustus. So I look at the financial of the Roman Empire and the moral depravity and the breakdown of the family of the Roman Empire, and I can't help but think of the United States of America. Our moral standard may not be as low as that before the collapse of the Roman Empire, but you have to admit it's getting lower seemingly by the month. We have abundant cause for concern. As I described in the last podcast, when you look at the number of families these days that are being raised without a father present, it's just a mom raising the kids, whether she was ever married or not, it's the family has been broken down. The divorce rate is through the roof. Lots of people are deciding to not get married, period, because they, they had such bad experiences as children growing up in households that were divorced. And as the family goes, again, just look at the template of history, so goes the nation. The United States may well be living on borrowed time because of the high rate of divorce-affected families and single-parent households. Now, I know a lot of the single parents are wonderful people. They're doing their very, very best, but nothing will ever compare to a functioning family unit headed by a husband and a wife. Everyone would agree with that. You know, the prophet Ezekiel wrote this in Ezekiel 18.2. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. The meaning of this statement is that the choices that result, choices result in consequences for, for families. In the case of a divorce, or a single parent family, the consequences can spell disaster. The fathers have eaten sour grapes. They've split up from their wives. They're separated from their, their kids. And now the children's teeth are set on edge. They're angry and you can't blame them. You know, it's quite interesting. This is a study from 2000. It's hard to find present-day studies. Once you get past 2014, 2016, even trying to determine the actual divorce rate in the United States, the numbers become very suspicious. They're not tracked as, as, uh, as they once were. But it's, this is a 25-year landmark study that I'm reading here by a woman named Judith Wallerstein. And she explained one of the traumatic effects of divorce. She said, as they, the, the children in the study, as they explained so eloquently, they lose the carefree play of childhood as well as the comforting arms and lap of a loving parent who is always rushing off because life in the post-divorce family is so incredibly difficult to manage. Some of you know just what I'm talking about. Been there, done that. Or maybe you're currently doing it. You just don't have the 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 carefree opportunity to play with your children, sit with them, enjoy them because you're running the whole show and you have a former spouse or a former 
lover or whatever the case may be who's just not involved and it's all up to you and the world is on your shoulders and you're carrying on a job and you're trying to manage a household and you're trying to manage kids' lives and you're trying to do your best, it's overwhelming. She continued, we have a consensus that children raised in divorced or remarried families are less well-adjusted as, as adults than those raised in intact families. I don't think there's anybody that disagrees with that. This was in 2000. Adult children of divorce who do marry find their own union to be at higher risk, obviously, because they didn't have a great template in order to create their own personal dynamic, personal philosophy regarding marriage. They didn't have role models. They didn't have examples. They're doing it on their own. You know, for all my parents' flaws, and now that they're dead and gone, my gosh, uh, I was so judgmental because their flaws were, 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 sometimes their flaws were in the eyes of the holder, me, but all that said, my, my parents stuck together. My parents stuck together. And that was a great role model for me and my life. Now, I've done my, I've done my parenting a lot different than my parents did. I think they did their best, but they were always there for me if I ever needed them. And sadly, I didn't tap into their wisdom enough, quite frankly. But children of divorce, I mean, you guys know how it impacts you going forward. In divorced homes, it, it begins early with the kids. You have, and what am I talking about begins early? I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about sex. I'm talking about rebellion. I'm talking about depression. I'm talking about confusion. That may hit every kid at some point in time but it impacts the children of divorced families all the more, and according to all the studies, all the more earlier. And now with social media? Let me continue with another particular, this is a wonderful article that I came across. I wanted to share some of this for you. It's by a guy named Jack Wellman, Biblical Signs of Declining Morality of America and the World. And he's using a passage from the book of Micah, chapter 7. I'll just summarize some of this for you. National moral decline happens when God is neglected. And we live in a day and age where God is being neglected. Uh, the people who are parents now, didn't, they weren't raised in church. They've never read the Bible. They've never, never had good moral instruction. They've never had good godly instruction. But the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, this is the, the book of Micah, lists five different kinds of relationships that are affected by a nation's refusal to allow God. And they are shockingly close to what we see in society today. It's as if Micah the prophet from thousands of years ago is a contemporary of ours. And he's sitting with us to watch the nightly news. And he watches social media. It's as if he's seen the latest Hollywood movies. Because, you know, each generation over the past several has been exposed to more and more of the raw brutality, illicit sex, escalating violence, 
not just in movies, but in sports as well. We've desensitized the minds of an entire generation to the point where no one blushes anymore. We don't turn away from violent scenes like we used to. Our children are being exposed to sexual immorality at a younger and younger age. And the change is so gradual, most people don't know it. But let me give you those five things really quick. First of all, Micah chapter 7 first couple verses talks about the godly influence of a society disappearing. We're there. Verse three speaks of escalating violence in a society. We're there. This is exactly what happened with the Roman empire as well. I talked about the breakdown of the family. I talked about the rising debt, but in the Roman empire, there was something else. Sports were getting more and more violent. They had those big coliseums, those big circus events. And they became more and more spectacular and more and more violent. And in order to occupy the minds of the people, you know, they were, they were invited to come to these coliseums. And the poor people even got, you know, free seats up top. Come, spend a day, drink wine, watch people die, get your mind off the state of affairs in the Roman Empire with the financial collapse about to occur, with the families breaking down. Come, everyone, come. Escalating violence. Look what people are drawn to in terms of the movies they watch. The horror films, slasher movies, stuff you can do on the internet, the violence in video games, just to name a few. The violent sex you can watch on, on, a, on an iPhone or any phone. Chapter 7, verse 3 and 4 talks about business and political corruption. Now, we see so much corruption in the business world. It's an underground economy that's just frightening when you think about the stuff going on at the border of the United States of America alone. You look at the political corruption around the world. All of these billions of dollars we're giving to Ukraine and other countries, unaccounted for, goes in the hands of, of violent actors, oligarchs, crazy kooks, Nigeria right now, the president of Nigeria, which is, by the way, a huge country in terms of population. The president of Nigeria made his money selling drugs. He's a drug lord. He runs a country now. Micah chapter 7, verse 5 talks about unfaithful friendships. Put no trust in a neighbor. Have no confidence in a friend. Guard the doors of your mouth from her who lies in your arms. That's verse five. Verse six, not honoring your parents. For the sons treat the father with contempt. The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. And then finally, God gives them up. Paul wrote about this in Romans chapter one. For all they knew, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they came futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. That's the day and age in which we live. I, I beg you, my friends, please think about these things. Okay, you're not gonna be able to change the world. You're not gonna be able to change the United States but you can change the way in which you live. You can change the dynamic of your family. You can bring yourself to the point of, of saying, God, I can't do this. I need your help.
And then if I may go a step further, you can come to the foot of the cross and say, I surrender all, take over my life. I'm not giving up. I'm just telling you, I'm not giving in either. And I will do all I can to proclaim the truth in these broadcasts and away from this microphone in my own life. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your wonderful support and encouragement. More on me at briansussman.com, Facebook, Brian Sussman Show, and Instagram, Daily Doses of Inspiration, at Brian Sussman Show. Please share this podcast. Until next time. <laughs>